Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Friday, April 2nd, 2021. And not a ton of stuff going on inside the Big Ten. But as we have seen this last week, since all of the Big Ten teams have been now officially knocked out of the NCAA tournament, there are more and more players opting to tell us what their intentions are for next year. But before we get into that, one little football thing we're going to go over, and that is Penn State. As we all saw this year, in all honesty, I feel like if you really needed to, you don't need to schedule games so far out. I think after this year, it showed a lot of us that what is possible with college football is getting those games to happen very quickly. Uh, the game specifically that I'm talking about is BYU and Coastal Carolina. Uh, during the middle of the year, those teams weren't on each other's schedule. But then the two teams that outside of the Power Five conferences, the group of five, that seem like the best two in the country, somehow managed to match up and have a game. And what a game it was. The Chanticleers came out on top. But going back, what we're talking about here is is Penn State. And Penn State has added a couple of teams in their 2024 and 2026 schedule. 24, they have Kent State in September, and then Marshall and San Jose State in 26. Uh, to me, like this kind of stuff, I, I don't think it really needs to happen much anymore. I think you could almost go on a, a year-to-year basis. Because look, let's be real here. When Penn State plays Marshall and San Jose State in 26, none, zero, none of the players on the current roster will be there. So, it's to me, it's just a little overkill right now. I think that you know, going forward, you could schedule games two, three years out so that you know, your freshmen will get to play in a big-time game or whatever out-of-conference game you want when they're seniors. But scheduling games in 26, and I get it, you want to lock those in, but that's just so far away. You have no idea where your program is. You have no idea where the other programs are. Especially a program like Penn State, teams are going to want to play them. And so I'm not the biggest fan of seeing teams do this right now. You know, I understand where Sandy Barber is coming from. Like I said, trying to lock in these games so they don't have to scramble around. But in all honesty, I think the scramble's fun. I like it. And I think the scramble puts together better matchups, too. I really do. But nevertheless, Penn State has added a couple of 
lower level teams, uh, non power five group of five teams to play and beat up. Well, at least you expect to have the Nittany Lions beat them up. Who knows? I mean, 24 is, you know, there might be a couple players left on this Penn State team that are still playing in 24, but either way, who knows? All right. As we have seen on the basketball side of things, a ton of players are entering the transfer portal. Again, I will reiterate the fact that the NCAA has allowed the schools to have, well, I guess not the schools, the players to have a free transfer year this coming transfer cycle. And so I think you're seeing a record number of players enter the transfer portal, get into the fact that they can go find their next school and very quickly, immediately be eligible. The NCAA has allowed them to do that. And I think that that is something that is different, obviously. I think it's something that when you look at what is going on across the landscape of college sports, I think that what we have found out is that the transfer portal is very, very important. Because that's where they all go. That's what they do. And in my estimation, I think that you're going to continue to see more and more and more players jump into the portal. Now, this year, obviously, it's going to be different. However, I'm interested to see how it goes next year. I think that the NCAA needs to have very, very clear guidelines as to who could do what in the portal. Because right now, it's kind of a free-for-all. We've all seen different players get different rulings for different reasons. And I continue to go back to this one. I think that the Luke Ford transfer from Georgia to Illinois is a prime example. Ford opted to leave Georgia to come closer to home because his grandfather was ill. The NCAA did not grant him immediate eligibility. His grandfather passed away before he was able to see him play another football game for the Illini. However, Ohio State's Tate Martell, when he transferred to Miami, due to Urban Meyer telling him two years prior that he was going to be around for his full tenure there, was granted immediate eligibility. Now, Martell really didn't play much for Miami. Still hasn't. But the NCAA needs to square this up. They need to have 100% specific guidelines as to who gets to transfer early and who doesn't. Right now, they've washed their hands with it. Once again, the NCAA is lazy as hell. Lazy as hell. They said, you know what? Free transfers for everybody. We don't want to deal with this right now. Same thing with the dead period. We're just going to keep extending it. Because we don't want to deal with this right now. 
the NCAA met with the three basketball players from the Big Ten, Isaiah Livers, Jordan Bohanna, and Geo Baker. And they're going through the the trials right now. Uh, it's definitely a ringer uh, for NIL, name, image, likeness. And I think that, you know, they're, they're looking to try and make changes, and I love it. They actually tried to get some of the women basketball players, the, the three men, Livers, Bohannon, and Baker. They, they tried to have Mark Emmerich get some of the women basketball players in there because I don't know if you saw this, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, to be honest with you, and I should have. But the conditions for the men and women's tournament, the two of them, are significantly different. And they should not be. Yes, I understand. The men, they bring in a lot more money. But that doesn't matter. They need to grow the women's game. There are stars in the women's game that I like watching. Paige Buckers from... UConn, she's got this flair to her game that is just impressive. As a freshman, I love it. I want to see more of it. Granted, they, they, UConn has, you know, established quite the dynasty in women's basketball. But I don't care. I love it. I, I think that they need... More exposure. Much more exposure. And Emmerich decided to say no to that. And I don't get it. The NCAA just pisses me off. You can't tell. I've got a lot of issues with the NCAA. A lot of issues. NIL, I think the players should be compensated. Transfer portal. So stupid. These rules are ridiculous. Why why does Tate Martell, because he's a quarterback, get to transfer? And Luke Ford, who's going back home so that his ailing grandfather can see him play football one last time before he passes away, doesn't get the opportunity to do that. Because the NCAA adopts these dumbass rules. I just don't get it. And, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, Mark Emmerich did meet with the players, but met him on his terms as opposed to their terms, that makes me angry as well. You know, they wanted uh, the, the three basketball players from the Big Ten, which I love – you know, Isaiah Livers, Geo Baker, and Jordan Bohannon need to get a, a, some kudos here for for stepping up and for really being the face of this whole movement. I mean, Jordan Bohannon, like I said the other day, Jordan Bohannon has straight up said, if NIL is there for next year, I'm coming back. But if not, I'm gone. I think you're going to see more and more guys like that. 
More and more guys like Isaiah Todd, who committed to Michigan. But instead, because he realized what his worth was, opted to play professional basketball in a developmental league instead of playing major collegiate basketball. And he's not the only guy. He's just a, a guy in the Big Ten that did that. Because if you look across the nation, there are guys doing it all over the place. And this is because the NCAA continues to get free labor from these collegiate athletes. Now, yes, the argument obviously is that they're they're getting the scholarships. They're getting an education. But when you do a cost-benefit analysis of what a scholarship is worth for a school and what a player will bring in, the kind of revenue that the player brings into the school, the school is winning. The NCAA is winning. 100%. And it seemed like Mark Emmerich, uh, you know, the conversation that he had with three young men really didn't go anywhere. Uh, Emmerich told the players that he'd get back to them on, on their request for a blanket waiver of NIL for next year. I don't know if this is going to happen. I mean, this is the first time that I've come to the conclusion that NIL might not happen. It was looking good. really was. But again, Mark Emmerich, I don't think he really knows what he's doing. I think he's operating by the standards of 25, 30 years ago. Things have changed. Things are changing rapidly. And he's unable to make those changes. Now, I'm not calling for him to lose his job, but he needs to make changes in order for the players across the NCAA to feel comfortable that they are backed by an organization that wants what's in their best interest. The NCAA should be about the players, not about the schools making money. And that's what it is right now. And that's so unfortunate. It really is. And I know I got a little bit off topic there, but obviously this, this hit a sore point with me because I don't think Mark Emmert has done as good of a job as he can do. And I think things need to change. I think need, things need to change very quickly, very quickly. Unfortunately for the Illini, guard Adam Miller has entered the transfer portal. Miller, Miller was a starter. Uh, I think Miller expected he's a, like a top 50 recruit coming out of uh, high school last year. I think he expected a really, really big role. Well, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, expected A.O. DeSumo to return for his junior year. And I've got a little bit of news uh, on DeSumo in just a second. But the fact that Miller is leaving... I think that they they looked and, and they looked at their roster and probably said, all right, coming back for the Illini next year, you've got Curbelo and Miller are, are going to be significant guys. They're going to play big roles. I think this one, you know, and it seemed like with Miller's statement that I don't think he's considering returning to the Illini. I think he is mentally moved on. And that's unfortunate because they're going to lose 
a significant amount of players that contributed a ton this year. You're probably looking at Desumu leaving. I highly doubt. And I I've said this for two years now. I doubt that he's going to come back. But he kept coming back. At this point in time, after what he did this past year, I, I don't. I can't see it. I just can't. He's he's established himself as as a as a high level NBA pick. And I don't care if he's not a lottery pick. I think he needs to go. I don't think his stock gets any higher than after what happened this year. But Miller, unfortunately for the Illini, will be moving on. Another guy that will be moving on is Minnesota junior guard Gabe Klosher. Uh, he has also entered the portal. A guy that plays very good defense, uh, which I think is a little bit underrated nowadays, especially when you, know, you look in the, the, the collegiate game is a little bit more offensive. Uh, obviously, uh, with the shortening of the shot clock, that was the idea to have a more up-and-down game, similar to what the NBA is right now, which they've gotten. But I, I don't think that Klauscher, a guy like him, gets enough credit for being a defensive stopper, also adding in about 10 points a game. So, uh, you know, Ben Johnson's got a, a difficult job ahead of him, obviously. And he's seeing more of his players transfer. And I think that uh, Klauscher did it the right way. I think he waited till Minnesota found their replacement for Richard Pitino in Johnson got a chance to speak with Johnson, gave him a week or so to kind of, you know, mull it over and think about it. And then said, you know what, this is probably not the place for me. And I completely understand that. Rutgers is losing a player as well. And Mamadou Ducor, uh, he is under the portal. Uh, Ducor, you know, not a, not a bad player, but uh, you know, Steve Pykel, uh, again, also another team that, uh, you know, is, is losing significant players. Um, I believe that Ron Harper Jr. is a, is a senior as well, so they'll be moving on. And, you know, the turnover, it's very, very common in the collegiate ranks on both sides of things. So, like I said, I had some Aodosumu news, and that news isn't good for the young man. And the reason why it's not good is because the AP announced that Luca Garza was their player of the year and not Desumu. And I think that the argument goes back to this. When the Illini played without Desumu, when he broke his nose a couple weeks before March in February, the Illini still looked damn good. Damn good. One of the better teams in the Big Ten. Now take away Luca Garza, and yeah, you know, Bohannon, Wieskamp, they're, they're very good players in their own right. But I don't think Iowa is anywhere close to what they are without Garza. I get the argument. Actually, I, I think that Luca Garza is a very good player. But I think Ayo in this season was a better player than Luca Garza. Juwan Howard is bringing home some hardware as well. Already named the Big Ten Coach of the Year. He has now been named the AP coach of the year. I think Mark Few has a big-time argument for Gonzaga. I really do. When your team is undefeated, you're the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. On top of that, you have led your team to the Final Four already? A shot at a championship? A very good shot. They're favorites right now to win it. 
I probably would have went that way. But Juwan Howard, uh, he did a great job. Don't get me wrong. I think that Michigan had a fantastic season. You know, losing livers at the end of the year uh, in the tournament really hampered them. Getting to the Elite Eight when a lot of people thought after uh, what they did, you know, at the end of the season was going to lead to an early exit in the tournament. They were the final Big Ten team standing. So congratulations to Luke Garza and Juwan Howard. This might not seem like Big Ten news, but it is. There's some news to it. North Carolina's head coach, legend Roy Williams, has announced his retirement. And in doing so, there's a little fuel to the Mark Turgeon leaving Maryland fire. There's already been a little bit of smoke about the two schools. I'm sorry, the you know the two partners, Turgeon and, and Maryland, about whether or not he's going to stay. He's been there, I believe it's 11 years now. So we'll see if he stays. But there's potential that uh, you know Turgeon might be looking at the UNC job, and they might be looking right back at him. So we'll see if there's anything to that. And one last note before I head off, Ohio State, uh, like I told you yesterday, is announced that they will be uh, participating in the Fort Myers tip-off. Well, guess what? They're traveling across the other side, to the other coast, to the West Coast. They will be participating in the Maui Invitational. It does look like the Maui Invitational will actually happen in Hawaii next year. I mean, that's the plan. This year it did not. But the plan is to have it. And Ohio State will be one of the participants. And that will do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. Raiders, reviews, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a fantastic weekend, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you on Monday morning.